Saturday evening. I'm your host, DJ, along with the legendary researcher and OG member of CAB, a study of UAPs. Deb, what's up, homegirl? About to get serious up in here. <laughs> we do some serious talk. I, we don't know if she's wearing either the Crip or Blood Colors uh, today. But awesome, man. Thank you, Deb. And also, uh, one of our new cabbies and a brilliant addition to the show is uh, the host of Bigfoot Crossroads, Matt Knapp. What's up, gangster? What's up, G-Money? <laughs> Not much, man. I just watched uh, Reservation Dogs on Hulu. I recommend everybody that has Hulu or has access watch Reservation Dogs. It is absolutely brilliant. It's a satirical look that... Also is quite serious about life on the res. I know you have grown up around and have and interacted with people that live on a res. A lot of us have not. Um, and so, yeah, I recommend everyone check that out. Um, so, Deb, Matt, um, I talked to our friend uh, the other day, uh, Christopher Sharp, and wanted to just kind of get the latest. He's done outstanding reporting. He's been mentioned on uh, a couple different shows, Micah Hanks show and and others uh, for the great work uh, that he's done and the the faith that he's kept uh, that this was going to happen. And by golly, it did. And when I spoke to him, he mentioned a name uh, that somebody that I know that I've spoken with, a military brother from the Marine Corps who uh, finished his law degree not too long ago, somebody that uh, we've got, Deb, you and I have met and somebody that we both admire and that is Sean Munger, who goes by Bob Pliskin on Twitter. So uh, Chris said, we got to have on uh, Bob Pliskin with me, you know, Sean. And I said, yeah, cool. I will <laughs> reach out straight away and make that happen, sir. Yes, I'll do the I'll even do the British salute for you. Um, so <laughs> so without further ado, my friends, um, let's bring in uh, the editor and creator of uh, Liberation Times, the UK brother. He is at Chris uk sharp i got to have dinner with this man not once but twice in england baby put your hands together for chris sharp <laughs> where's oh i gotta add him i can't only clap i actually have to add him to the stream yeah okay thanks nathan by the way so uh those of you who are wondering uh nathan um uh, is is off with the fam tonight and actually, I think he's actually meeting with uh, Dan um, from uh, you, you, uh, what the signal from UK UAP Media and EXO tonight. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, now, oh, look at Matt. <laughs> he made a new avatar. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's very creative, Matt is. Um, so our, our next guest, uh, uh, my Marine Corps uh, brother from another, representing the state of Mass, baby. Don't play no games. Boston strong. Uh, like I said, he don't got his law degree. He's somebody that we admire and respect. And he was a contributor. He is a contributor to the debrief and was a contributor on this story that uh, potentially uh, is going to change lives. 
So without further ado, put those hands together. Get the Cheeto dust off of there. Put them together for Sean Bob Pliskin Munger. What's going on? Good evening, all. Good evening, all. And across good. the ponds, how you doing, uh, Chris? Good to uh, good to see you, Sean. Well done, by the way, with the debrief stuff. It was um, it was incredible, and um, yeah, uh, it, Sean's been such an important part of what I've done with Liberation Times. I mean, his feedback when I initially started publication and doing articles, it, it literally it made all the difference. Like I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't Sean, and he's just the best man. So thank you. I'm humbled to be with you. So thank you. I appreciate that, Chris, and just uh, here to serve. And if I can add value, I and I have the time and the capacity to do so. I've always uh, let that be known that if, if I can, I will. If I can't, I'll, I'll try to point you in the right direction of somebody else that can. So, yeah, um, thank you. Just just because we're not done throwing accolades at at Sean before I knew him, um, I had become friends with and started having phone conversations with uh, Richard Butt whom everybody knows and has been in, invaluable to the community as well. And he said, dude, he said, do you know uh, Bob Pliskin? And he said, Bob Pliskin has basically done X, Y, Z. He's former Marine. Um, you, need to, you need to connect with Bob Pliskin. And I said, yes, sir, I will. And I reached out to uh, Sean and we started having, uh, you know, uh, text and so forth. And then uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him and hopefully – uh, if everything goes well in October, when I go to my college uh, team reunion in Mass, uh, maybe I'll I'll get to see him. So hopefully all that will come together. But awesome. y'all didn't come to hear about all that, right? They want to hear about UFOs. So I think a good place to start, uh, Deb and Matt, uh, I'm thinking is to let Chris give us an update on what he's the latest. And I think the fact of the, the DOD complaint which may or may not have been formalized into an IG complaint, but certainly was causal in uh, the retribution that begat the second um, complaint that was formalized with an attorney. So, Christopher, without further ado, take it away, and then we'll, we'll make, make our way around the table. With Absolutely. So, you know, firstly, this is a really serious deal, what we're talking about. So... Um, yeah, I, I don't want to put anything out there that shouldn't be put out there, but I will say questions should be asked. So when last week David Grush's ICE intelligence community, Inspector General complaint, was released in unclassified form, it reads, in July 2021, Mr. Grush confidentially provided UAP-related classified information to the DOD Inspector General. At that time, Mr. Grush communicated classified information about the improper withholding and or concealment of classified material from the U.S. Congress by certain IC elements, so intelligence community elements. Mr. Grush believes that his identity and the fact of his UAP-related communications with the DODIG have been disclosed to individuals and or entities outside of the DODIG and that he has suffered retaliation and reprisals related thereto. So what, what seems to have happened is that Mr. Grush has communicated information relating to UAP programs that have been 
hidden from the oversight of Congress. He's communicated that information to the DODIG, and then somehow that information has got out in terms of knowledge of that information that was provided. And that has led to the harassment and intimidation and whatnot of David, which is why he has gone to the intelligence community, IG, to launch a complaint about that harassment um, and intimidation. So, I mean, Dave, David says that he's making no accusation at all that, you know, he's implicating the DOD IG with leaking any information. So that's something, you know, that needs to be set straight. So he's not making any accusations or anything like that. But it, it does leave questions. Where, where did that information leak from? And we don't know for sure that it did, didn't leak from the DODIG. So one would suspect that there would be some internal investigation, perhaps, just to make sure that it didn't. Um, look, it could have leaked from other individuals that knew David. Who, who, knew, who knows? You know, we, we just don't know. It's conjecture. I feel it's a serious enough deal unless it's been resolved uh, 100% that this did not leak from the DODIG because, you know, a, a, there's a lot of whistleblowers out there. It's not just UAP related in terms of um, the Department of Defence. And confidentiality is really, really key in terms of, you know, any complaints or information they're providing to the DODIG. So I feel if there is some question, if there's even a little shred of doubt, oh, you know, hanging over the DODIG, I think that's a really serious deal. Do we, um, I, I want to let everybody just have a shot at that, but do we know, um, do we know that he spoke with the DODIG either formally or informally? Have you been able to confirm that? I can only go by what's in the actual um, in the actual complaint to the oh, ICIG. And so, that's in yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so yeah, he, he said that um, he, he feels that his identity and the fact of his UAP related communications with the DOG IG have been disclosed to individuals and entities outside of the DOD IG, and that he has suffered retaliation reprisals related there too so i say intimidation and harassment i need to get my language corrected just to be fully accurate retaliation they're, they're synonymous so, yeah. though that they're synonymous yeah. you know sean I know. Do, you, do you have anything on on that uh, yeah I, I believe some of the media uh, organizations may have had a copy or potentially have had uh, eyes on some of the uh, unclassified portions of the inspector general uh, complaint and that could potentially be an avenue of, of how, if, if anything's been leaked. Again, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I might not have been uh, fully up to speed on what, what has come up. If there is that something uh, was leaked, it could either come from the DOD. It could have come from uh, some of the um, uh, legal counsels that have copies of these things. And it could have come from uh, you know, potentially some of the media organizations that have uh, you know been provided a copy if, if, if those are out there it's, it's the internet nowadays once it goes on the internet you know or, or unsecure network it can slowly leak and slowly work its way out so it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if it came from any one of those positions um, uh, before I, I pass it over to Debs uh, no I, I understand and that is that is critical I mean it um, and that well, I'm gonna get into that because we're gonna talk about 
one IG potentially investigating another and Title 50 authority versus Title 10 authority. But I want to say hello to Beyond the Binary. Hello, Jules, in the chat. Thank you for being here, ma'am. Uh, and Deanna, I hear what you're saying. Others may be waiting to speak depending on how this turns out is what she's saying. And in fact, uh, we have been told that there are others. I don't want well, to go ahead. Well, yeah, I would, I would, I would even say just, just from, uh, just what Mr. Grush has put out forth, uh, either through the debrief article and follow-up interviews is that individuals named individuals have come forward. So here I am telling everyone, but these witnesses came to us, came, came to me in an official capacity. So that's named individuals that follow-up investigators can now just go to and get what they reported. So if it's if he's repeating information that might be hearsay because the declarant is the original witness, then the investigator can go to that person who's a known individual that works for a known organization that has access to a known compartment and investigate further if those that information's true. Now I would say now if the if the Inspector General uh, complaint is about retaliation. Okay, that could still be the vehicle that follow-on investigations can occur because now you have congressional uh, committees. Their general counsel have uh, multiple committees. Multiple general counsels of multiple committees have taken Mr. Grush's uh, deposition. So now those organizations not necessarily the elected officials because they have to have separation. You can't, you don't want the elected officials to have any access because you don't want political influence on an active investigation because that could screw up anything down the road should there be prosecutions later on. You know, that defense attorney could say, oh, you know, is this an impartial investigation? Or were you going in after him because the senator, the future president, you know, is on that, uh, on that committee and they wanted you to do a political favor. So you don't want those politicians involved at this time. You don't want them making comment. At least I wouldn't. Again, as an attorney, I wouldn't want them making comment right now. Let the investigation go. And when the information is known or there's more corroborating information that's that's or substantiating evidence that's in hand, then maybe start coming out a little bit more. So, I mean, maybe a little reservation from the uh, political uh, the politicians, I'm not really worried about. But back to the investigation of the reprisals. So if he's already given a deposition... So now you have the council for those committees and uh, congressional committees have the, the authority to have investigations. So other investigations can spur from this, you know, why I was retaliated against or why you retaliated against. Oh, because again, this, so this is not the situation. Here's a hypothetical. I was retaliated against because uh, I was sexually harassed. Oh, I was also raped, you know, and then it's like, Oh, now we have a, you know, sexual assault investigation that spurs on the original inspector general. So this, and I, I see it often, like, oh, the inspector, the complaint is about reprisal. It's like, that doesn't matter. And that's just, okay, now the information is getting to the people that need to hear it, and more can come from it. So this is the spark that leads to the fire that burns down the house, okay? So this, this, is, this, is, this is the, you know, another brick in the, uh, the yellow brick road, okay? This is, this, this is, this is what needs to happen, and it needs to occur in the correct way. In by everything that he's that I can see, the, the the ways that he's conducting it, and through counsel and through the investigative government bodies, is that he's doing it, trying to do it on the up and up. 
right? So it, it doesn't get shut down. Or sorry, Every it, it, it gives the government the opportunity in the existing infrastructure, the opportunity to uh, either uncover it. And if not, then you can you know, always go the other way. And where, where the investigation starts is not necessarily where it ends. It opens the door, I think, is is what you were saying. And all Pink Floyd fans are upset that you didn't say it's just another brick in the wall, right, Chris? Uh, <laughs> with that, but in, in answer to the question earlier posed by um, Deanna, uh, what you're saying is the answer is yes. Uh, there are more people have come forward. You have spoken with more people. So it's just a matter of... Uh, them, I guess, coming public. That I think that's the discriminator. But before I speak any longer, we got to get uh, Debs and Matt in here. So, Debs, uh, would you like to react to what you've heard thus far? Yeah. So, of course, the fact that um, Greer was putting David Grush on a lineup for his conference last weekend has sort of highlighted the possibility that Greer might be somehow involved with some of the information leaking. He also allegedly claimed to provide information to David Grush and try to associate his name with him. So can you guys comment on that? Well, yeah, and okay. All right, go ahead, and then we'll get Matt in there. I, I, I personally not, I prefer not to uh, speculate on somebody else's uh, uh, actions at, at that point. I, I'm, I'm not versed on it enough. Chris, would you want to react to it? Again, I have no information in terms of um, any contact potentially made between um, Stephen Greer and um, and David Grush. All I would mention is, you know, th th this story and you know David Grush's name, for instance, they did leak out before the story came out, which put. David in a really, really difficult position and meant the article had to be released um, sooner than it may have already may have done otherwise um, to protect him. Um, so we know that this whole process to a certain extent has been leaky anyhow. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to speculate in terms of where the information leaked from it. You know, as Sean said, you know, that there's a there's various um, individuals and organizations where this could have could have leaked from um i think you know this is you know one part of the picture in terms of any investigation done by the icig is to find out you know where that did potentially leak from um but otherwise i mean, I mean sean sean hit upon some you know, really interesting things there from my understanding david has provided verifiable information to um to congress so i mean the, the, I, I think that skeptics and you know people who do believe um, the whistleblowers should all just rally around now, sit, say, "Okay, cool. If you don't believe it, you wouldn't have, you shouldn't have a problem. Just verify. He's provided the verifiable information. Now go and check it out, prove it. You know, that, stop there. You know, like let, let's stop this all. If you if you think this is some kind of a psyop or anything like that, cool. It stops here." Verifiable information has been provided. Now let's go and check that out. You should have no problem with that. You know, if you think that it's all a lie, that's fine. Just, just check it out. You've got nothing to lose. And I think this is the stage of where we're at now. Um, and um, I, I would also note, from my understanding as well, I think it was Michael um, Schellenberger who does the public 
Substack. Um, from my understanding, he has actually spoken to some of the other whistleblowers who had contact with the actual programs directly, um, who may have you know seen a touch to craft and stuff like that. Although they're not named, you know, he, he that they they're still anonymous at this point. He has had contact with them, and you know these individuals do exist. And when people say that you know David is just getting secondhand information, and whatnot. These people do exist, you know. Um, people have spoken to them. Um, I mean, whether they choose to go public, you know, that's to their discretion. But they do exist, you know. So um, I, I think that's very, very important to actually um, to, to actually get out there in terms of where we are in this story at the moment. But yeah, I, I think some, something else I'd point out as well: if, if locations have been provided in terms of this verifiable information. I think it's very, very important to kind of like verify it as soon as possible because if these programs are being moved to different locations to, to hide what they're doing, then time is of the essence in, in that respect, if that, if that is correct. Um, I was going to save this for later before I pass it over to Matt. Um, I was going to save this for later, but what I want to say is that belief is something that we, we have to discuss because if... If your standard is going to be, unless I f physically see it, touch it, that's going to be proof to me, then they're never going to meet your standard. Because I can guarantee you that 50% or better of the UFO Twitter community, if, they, if someone from the government came out and said, okay, these are photos of it right here today, people would say, I still don't believe it. Or video. Or they'd say that looks fake because... Christopher, we know that there are some UAP videos that have come from Jeremy that are real, uh, that have been, uh, that they do do not know what those are, and people say it's fake, or it's not it's not what. So, if the standard is going to be that you, the individual out there, have to see it, touch it, feel it, have the news cameras go in, and 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 go into a hangar and show it to you, that's not happening. So you may as well just resign yourself to, because there's always a certain amount of belief. No matter what it is, whether it's a belief that your 401k is going to be there at the end of your career, that you're going to have Social Security, that when you go to the medical, it's going to be paid for. There's belief in everything in what and the, the individuals that are coming forward is, is what we'll get into as we we progress through through the show. Um, let's go to Matt and then we'll get Julie's question there. Go ahead, sir. Just kind of piggybacking off your belief statement. Uh Someone posted the other day in my little circle that uh, no amount of belief makes something factual. And my response to that was, and also, <laughs> no amount of disbelief makes something not factual. Uh, belief has to be removed. And right now we're living in a, a climate due to various reasons that uh, belief is kind of playing into acceptance where for instance touching the ufo if you let somebody you know a disbeliever in there there's some people who even that would still doubt it because they're not willing to accept <laughs> what they're being shown they're not willing to accept that reality uh, i i see memes all the time being posted about you know just wait for the staged alien attacks. And there's still people that believe all the UFO stuff being talked about through the government entities is just all 
fakery and, you know, illusion to keep us, you know, focused over here while they're pulling their shenanigans over here. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting as more of this uh, hard proof comes out and factual information, how the public accepts it and when they decide to set belief aside and just let the evidence that's shown to them sway their opinion one way or the other. Uh, whenever it comes to the leaks, I mean, U.S. government, man, <laughs> you know, we're we're a bucket with a bunch of holes in the bottom of it. Uh, but one interesting aspect is if these leaks were responsible for him being uh, threatened or anything of that nature, typically the leaks in government come out due to political influence, uh, being able to sell a story to a paper or, you know, a news agency or whatever. But this is a situation where it sounds like if all this information is true, that this leak went directly to somebody who didn't want it out and then went as far as to try and suppress that information. And can I, can I, can I just say one thing real quick? I want to be clear about the distinction. This is not a leak. This is a, a report to an official process, an IG process. What uh, Julian Assange or what? Um, what's the other cat that's over in Russia right now? Um, I can't remember. His Snowden. Name now. Uh, Snowden. Yeah, Snowden. Um, Reality that, where? Those those are leaks where something was given to the media. This was he went through legal channels and did it the proper way. So that's not a leak. But I understand the what you're saying is what you're thinking, Matt, is they leaked to him. Is that the the process owners that were surrounding these programs that were working on these craft leaked to to David, if that's what you mean, then No, no, no. The okay. information that David took to the DOD IG is not a leak. Right. Leaked out from the DOD IG in okay, theory. Uh, okay apparently it, but we don't know the chain of custody of the information and who all had access to it previously but the point is it if it came from some place other than the dod if it was just uh, somebody associated in the process saw it and gave that information to somebody how did it end up in the hands of someone who's now willing to go and threaten him not to release this information right. and to keep it quiet. Got so it, it makes it sound even more so like the information that was leaked did come from the DOD and was put in the hands of specifically someone, which means that there's some sort of embedded informant possibly uh, in the system looking for information like this to happen as sort of, you know, a means of uh, compressing and keeping it quiet. And if that's the case, I mean, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah, I want to get um, I get Chris and, and uh, Sean's reaction to that. Before that, just I just want to take one little shot at, at belief. Matt uh, himself, a, you know, a two decade plus Bigfoot researcher, uh, has stood uh, and seen Bigfoot in front of him. Okay, I didn't see it, but. My knowing Matt, I believe that he saw what he says he saw. I don't have to be there and see it or have been there when he saw it to believe him. There are people who both Matt and I have heard who've said they've seen Bigfoot that we don't believe. And that's so it's up to every individual out there. Um, 
But let me get your reaction to that, and then we'll go with uh, Julie's question. Uh, what Matt is saying about the uh, the internal leak from the someone affiliated with the DODIG to those that had agency or had authority over um, David and threatened him or intimidated him in some way. Um, so I, I would say it's it's not clear at the moment. I mean, it's all conjecture at the moment, speculation as to where, where the leak actually came from. Um, we, so we don't know for sure if it was the DODIG. However, we just don't know. As I said, you know, if there, if there are questions, even if there's like 1% doubt, you know, in terms of um, you being able to provide the DODIG um, information and that may leak, um, leading to severe consequences. I think I think that's very serious. And I have asked questions of the BODIG as to whether they can comment on this and whether they can deny whether the leak did come from them, whether an internal investigation has been undertaken. Um, I, I've received no 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 response yet. Um, so yeah, there are questions overhanging re relating to that. Um, I, I would also point out as well that. Um, David's correspondence with both formal correspondence with the DODIG and ICIG came about before the arrow was um, was formally established. Patrick actually got in. So those people say, "Oh, why did they, they go to Arrow?" Basically, Chris. There at the time. <laughs> Chris, but they were both. But they were both DOD-based organizations. The name is not significant. Both exactly. of them were Title Ten DOD organizations, and the fact of the matter is, is that these programs reside in Title Fifty organizations, which you know Sean can talk some more about that as well, right? So, and can one investigate the other? I don't know. You may need a third party that involves Congress. Sean can speak to that. Uh, but let me get Julie's question here before she decides not to show up for the next chat. Sean, would you take this one? This is our chat monitor, Julie. I'll read it out loud. Does anyone besides me think it may have been internally and intentionally leaked to force the story out for the protection of Grush? Again, that would be any answer to this would be potentially, you know, the absolute speculation. I mean, depending on what results of it, were they intentional or uh, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, that's a question that you have to sit there and ponder when you start seeing reactions of whatever the leak is, you know, and that's something that might come later on. It's okay. Leak comes out, certain aspects of whatever comes out, highlights certain things or uh, either establishes credibility or, or diminishes it. And then, okay, who, who, who benefits from that? So, but then again, it could also be just, especially with this community, it could be somebody that just got it and then wants to look cool and just gives it to somebody else and wants to, you know, establish their own credibility. So it, it could be the, you know, uh, malicious intent or just stupidity from someone that just doesn't know how to keep their, you know, their, their ship tight. Yeah. And Jules, at, at this point, I'm going to take it at face value based on something that I'm going to get in here at the moment. And then if there's reason to think that conspiratorially about it, you know, we could shift gears to that. But at this point, I'm going to take what's been said at face value because of the vetting that's been done by the individual. So I'm going to take it in this direction. Then we're going to go, you know, Deb, Matt, Chris and Sean. But a question that people may be asking is, why should I believe or trust 
uh, David Grush and what he says. Why, why should I believe him? So um, we can go with the very simple New York street answer, which is, uh, and, and Sean might call this a Boston street answer, is that this man has skin in the game. Okay. He, when he, first of all, in investigating these complaints, um, and, and by the way, I just heard on a show that's a very respected show uh, and host who was basically questioning. Um, first, uh, they played some clips of uh, a very famous debunker in the community and then postulated what if um, David was shown uh, human-made craft and, and, and he's, he's the fool on this. And he's reporting it, but they just show him stuff that we made is, was the, 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 the paraphrasing of his statement. And I say he spent four years, he said, investigating this. Uh, going through not one person, he said in in his uh, interview with Ross, I interviewed people that were part of these programs that didn't know one another and got the same information from multiple sources. And so he took a good long time investigating this before he came forward and made the statements and, and the allegations and, and the illegalities uh, were brought to light. The second part is we talked about skin in the game. So we have an individual who was an Air Force reservist, um, so not full-time, but an Air Force reservist who got hired in by the government and got himself at a very young age into a GS-15 position, which in the general schedule, you can look up their salary. It's as high as you can go in general schedule. Um, he may have gone on to become an SES, you know, a senior executive service person. Eventually, he's, like I said, he's quite young, uh, 14 years in. Uh, and he was doing, I believe, reserves and government, reserves and government. And um, we all know it's, you know, two weeks, uh, one week in a month, two weeks a year, et cetera, et cetera, plus the, your deployments in there. He gave up a GS-15 salary and the compounding associated retirement. He gave up his commission. Um, he relinquished his commission with the Air Force Reserves over this. I don't know that he's going to get a retirement out of that if he didn't have 20, and apparently he did not. Um, that is skin in the game. That's not just a mouth on Twitter that's talking and saying, I think this and I think that, and you have to do this and show me that. That's someone that spent four years investigating it, brought it through the legal chain of authority, and gave up his security over this topic. I can tell you this kid right here, if I had that opportunity, would not do that. And I'm not just saying that to my friends. I'm saying it to you. And I, and I love disclosure. I really believe in it. But that's somebody, not to the degree that he, that is self-sacrifice. There are two people that fall in this category. Can anybody name them? Luis Elizondo and David Grush. They both gave up GF's 15 positions over this topic. Uh, Luis has his military retirement. David Grush uh, gave up his Air Force Reserve Commission over this as an officer in the U.S. Air Force Reserves. Right. So that is skin in the game right there. So go ahead. Yeah, I would say, so if, if, if you're going to look at uh, the witness coming forward, you look for, I guess, one bias. Was the individual biased and is, is the, their bias influencing them? So let me, let me I'll, I guess I'll attack that one first. So as, as what I know about um, uh, Mr. Grush is that he's a 14-year intelligence officer, right? He served in an official capacity on the UAP task force, for approximately what four years or the what the follow-up agency 
right? He first came on from the NRO and then later on from the NGA. So that means he had 10 years as an intelligence analyst or intelligence officer or in intelligence capacity of being a serious person during, you know, operation, you know, was that Iraqi freedom, enduring freedom, war on terrorism. We were tracking down, and this is again, I don't know if his time might have overlapped mine, but I look at a calendar. I might have been out already. But like we were we were tracking down and killing people. That's that's what our profession was. You know, I'm just go straight to it. And we were good at it and we, we took it very seriously. Find somebody that's trying to hurt uh, US interests in foreign countries, they're trying to kill Americans and track them down and either disrupt their operation or or remove them from this earth. And and that's what we did. And a person that served in there in in, in his roles did that. It's a very serious person. He didn't seek out UFOs. UFO or this UAP task force sought him out. So and I he found him. Brought, <laughs> he was brought into the UAP task force first from the National Reconnaissance uh, Office, right? So he came over Subject there. matter expert, Sean. Subject matter expert. And then right. he remained and ended up being a liaison from the National uh, Geospatial Intelligence Agency. So, and now he's a person that is interested in UAP. So bias did not exist prior. So now let's look at interest. Does he have an interest to come forward? All right, so you have if GS-15 in Massachusetts, right? Base pay, step one, is 146000 a year. <laughs> Highest step is $176,000 a year. Now, that's not including, and in his position, again, without getting into detail, all the other accolades and travel and everything else that is associated with that that are on top of that base pay. So people might say, oh, he wants to go on the circuit, talk about UFOs. How much money do you make a year <laughs> going to uh, Alien Con or writing a book? Like, what do you get, 20 grand from writing a book? Now, the GS, GS and then his, his government position, there's a pension. There's retirement, and they pay you indefinitely. It's one of the greatest ones that, that, that exists in, in, in this country is the federal retirement system. And then thrift savings plan on top of that, where I think they match. It's incredible. That's right. Now to walk away from that, right? Because again, after ten years of, of of other experience, four years of again, this is it might not even be his primary uh, his duty. It might have been his secondary duty. Um, I don't know this this this, this it just doesn't it, interest is isn't I don't see it there. So okay, you, you walk away from a hundred thousand a year after you retire in a few years, right? And he's only thirty six years old. He's only 36 years old and he's already a GSP. It's like a kid. Like it, it, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the retirement, there it's a percentage of your highest three years of pay that he would have gotten um, in, right, in the his math retirement. Work out. The math doesn't work out. Right. And, it, 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 and the people that are attacking his credibility based upon that haven't done the math. The math doesn't exist. And then I, I would go towards motive. So if I'm going to question a, a witness that's you know on the other side of me on the stand, I'm going to look at motive. What's this person's motive? What is his motive of a, of a person that's, you know, he can be a career intelligence person. At this point, he's in, it is, it's not a job. He'd already get a job. He already has jobs. You know, he doesn't, I mean, <laughs> cool, he's going to, potentially it's going to limit his job capacity. He has jeopardized that. Yeah, he's absolutely out. jeopardized yeah. that. So, yeah, no, it's not there. It, it doesn't make not any there. sense. So, the, yeah, right. the, the, those three elements where you would look for, to impeach a witness, uh, they're weak. They're weak, and they're 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 very thin. 
So it, it's incredible. And then uh, uh, the, the moral for, for lying, uh, one of his uh, fitness reviews most recently, I, I wrote down the quote, he's an officer with the strongest possible moral, moral compass. And that's, that's that. And that's prior to him coming public. So it's not that they had put that in paper to substantiate his claims <laughs> yeah. when he comes out. This was prior. So this is already, he's already established who he is through his, through his, uh, up until now, you know, very promising and very uh, uh, successful career. So for him to walk away from this, you know, until, until proven otherwise, I, I, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. And that's, that's, that's what I would do. Anybody that's going to make a claim, any person that walks in my door and makes a claim, I'm not going to say that they're, they're, unless I can prove they're lying, I'm not, certainly not going to, it's probably hard enough. It's hard enough for a witness or somebody to come forward to say this horrible thing happened. I'm not going to make it worse for them. I'm not going to make it worse for them because maybe they, it's hard to substantiate what they're saying. It's hard to prove what they, what they're saying. Right. And they're fighting uphill battle already. Ready. So I'm not going to make it worse for you unless, unless, and this is, this is where, unless I can prove that you're lying and then I'm going to burn your fucking house down. Because well, and, and there's three years uh, in the in with a nice cozy cell at the federal penitentiary yeah, at Leavenworth exactly. and a $10,000 fine were he to have. So if you're wondering, did he make false statements, uh, knowingly false statements to the ICIG? So I, I as and, I and said, his attorney, and his attorney wouldn't have signed his own, uh, his name to that complaint. Exactly. Right. Knowing that there's any false statements in there because he's not going to lose his career. Right. Look, I, right. I, being being on a, a TV show on the History Channel is not worth losing your these careers. These are highly lucrative, or losing your law license. You know, filing a frivolous claim knowingly, no way, absolutely not. It's not worth it. It's not worth whatever retainer, even if they are getting a retainer. It's not worth making that 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 little money. You'll make plenty of money down the road. Then you you lose your license. You know, he loses all his careers, loses security clearances. You know, absolutely not. Yeah, industry would not touch. I don't know if industry would touch him right now. I hope they do, because if you don't touch him, you're losing. I mean, uh, he was described to me as one of the most talented intelligent uh, intelligence officers that had through his uh, work in the NRO and the National Geospatial uh, Intelligence Agency. He possessed a set of talents that were unique to him that he could, as, as Sean kind of alluded to earlier, make things go away. Um, that the, his higher ups were like, how are you going to do that? He said, I have methods to make this threat go away. Right. And, um, so you anyway, start, you start working on some targeting cells and you get some experience, you know, yeah. you, 10 years or 14 years experience working on those organizations. You're valuable. You're yeah. valuable because you know what assets we have. You know how to, you know, uh, uh, put those assets on target. You know how to, uh, you know, you have connections in other agencies, so you can put together, you know, uh, uh, some actual intel and then, you know, uh, either confirm or deny some things. So you, you are extremely valuable. You know, yeah, and, I've, and I've, if I've, able to walk out of there, you know, uh, because of this, you know, is, is detrimented to, to the, those organizations and it's self, self detrimental uh, for him to, you know, take up this, uh, this challenge to try to push this forward into the public. To yes, say the I, very I, least, <laughs> Christopher, what do you have on that about uh, why should do you think that do you think that David Grush was fooled by uh, individuals in the uh, in these different uh, programs, these saps that that came to him 
uh, alleged that he alleged came to him with stories. Do you think that he was fooled in some way? Personally, no. I, I think John's just on, you know, more than for a job there of explaining his credentials, you know, and um, what interest and motivation he would possibly have, you know, doing this, you know, if there was some other motive. And um, I, I just think that's that's not credible at all. You know, he's um, he's testified under oath. Um, he's given his testimony to, um, from understanding, the House um, Intelligence Committee and, and the Senate, Senate Intelligence Committee as well. Um, uh, and that's very, very serious. I mean, we're talking hours here. Um, and, you know, he's, he's gone for a, a lot of, you know, retribution as well. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe in the weeks to come, we may learn more about that. But, um, I mean, we're talking serious stuff here. Um, but again, like, you know, it's not my job to convince you, you know, no. I can provide you the facts um, as I know them, um, of what's come out. But as I said before, you know, like, even if you don't believe him, that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion. But I mean, I don't think anyone should question whether you should, um, you know, he's provided verifiable information. If you're so sure that he's lying, that's fine. You won't have a problem if Congress checks out that verifiable information um, to see if it's true. So, I mean, as I said, there's only one way to put this to rest. You know, it's actually verifying the information he's actually provided. And I think it all comes down to that. You know, you shouldn't have any problem if you don't believe him, you know, with him, with Congress verifying, verifying that information. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, Chris, that's what I'd say. Yeah, let me change the channel on this a little bit. Let's 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 take it in this direction, and then we're going to go from you to Matt and Deb, and then I'll myself and Sean will go. What do you think is important that people know? I want you to think of, and first of all, before we go any further, let's give a shout out to all the applicable people. Let's shout out to uh, Sean, uh, to. Uh, um, Lieutenant Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks and the debrief for all the work they did on this. Let's shout out. Uh, uh, let's shout out Leslie and Ralph. Let's shout out the legend Ross Coltart, who knew him a year ago and then and was able to put this together and was able to get it on uh, someone else. We want to shout out News Nation. Let's shout out uh, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, who also knew uh, David a year ago. Uh, apparently, David spent the night and, and uh, chatted at, at Jeremy's place uh, where they discussed some of these issues uh, and they, they held it close, which is why everybody in the community trusts Jeremy, because he doesn't put out things that he's not supposed to. So there's a whole litany of people there. Everybody is a star in my mind. Christopher Sharp, you know, all these people that contributed um, to, to getting this underway there. It, it was a multifaceted team effort. With that, Chris, uh, let's we'll go to you, and then we'll go anti-clockwise because I can't say counterclockwise because you're British. Um, what, <laughs> we're talking like a MotoGP track now. So, what, Chris, do you think people need to know? Uh, what is not being talked about enough? What do you think is important that you'd like to highlight to the community right now? Absolutely. So, um, again, I, I think. Michael Schellenberger put out a great article about this around a week ago. And the one thing that stuck out to me most was this. Said he's, He wrote, one military contractor said that in December 2010, a major aerospace corporation tried to work around the secrecy by creating a buffer organization 
to prevent the scientists and engineers who lacked top secret clearance from learning where the tech they worked on came from. But the military sharply rejected the proposal. Um, the proposal, the person said, we would apply science and engineering talent because the Aerospace Corporation Security meant that they were not having as much success as they had hoped for. And so we were proposing to horizontally cut through the stovepipes so there would be very few people interfacing with the aerospace company and the science and engineering talent wouldn't need, uh, wouldn't need to know about the full nature of the tech. So uh, I, I would say that's very important because the contractor said that the US government agency um, rejected that idea um, and rather rudely from my understanding as well. It wasn't very politely. So um, I, I would say that I, I keep on hold hold of that for and that information because i think that could play a um a crucial role in the future i mean i've spoken before on podcasts that i think there is another dimension to this um it, it, look this is a really really serious deal because democratic oversight is a fundamental pillar to democracy um and if congress doesn't have oversight of such programs and they've not been clearly um clearly um stated to congress then that's really serious like I, I, from my understanding i think in the next intelligence authorization that there may be language um to basically prevent funding of um of saps if they've not clearly been communicated to the congress so i i think that this is really important i think that congress realizes that now um, but I would also say that, look, you know, if some technology or some craft was given to, you know, let's say Lockheed Martin or something back in, uh, you know, the the four, you know, the fifties or something like that, where it had a, had a different name back then, but um, you know, still fundamentally the same organisation, then you know, the people working for that organisation now, like they had nothing to do with that, you know, given to the people that you know work there back in the fifties stuff, you know, so. Um, you know that they might want this information or they, they may be looking for you know protections and stuff like that as well saying that we need more people to work on this because we're not making as much progress you know and these people are human beings as well you know they're aware of climate change and all these other issues that the earth is facing and they may, maybe they want to tech out because you know it's very very difficult to get the clearances to work on these programs and often that means the best talent doesn't actually get to have you know put their hands on you know potential um technology that we don't understand you know a lot of the best um professors uh or sci scientists and engineers you know a lot of do drugs and stuff like that you know um because these are out of the box thinkers um uh, but that doesn't necessarily get you a security clearance and you know it has been suggested that china and russia have these craft as well and, and guess what mm -hmm. china china can definitely keep a secret very very well and you know they could you know, potentially get a lot more people studying um, craft that they have in their possession than the US does with its, um, you know, compartmentalization and security purposes. So I, I, I think this is really, really important. I think, you know, it could be a national security issue for the um, the US, um, but also I think it could, um, it could really improve and benefit everyone's lives. And, and I think also, although you may have a competition right now existing between, you know, China um, and the US, on this type of technology, I, I feel that kind of, um, you know, bringing this out could potentially, hopefully, we hope, bring nations together and, um, yes. 
you know, make it make it make a real change because, as I said before, you know, we have nuclear weapons now. You know, you the history of humanity has always been conflict, you know, but before, you know, we had spears and swords and then we went to guns and stuff like that. Cool, cool. But but now we've got nukes, you know, so <laughs> there is a big conflict, you know, that's like, yeah. that, that's everything over. I, I, I don't know if that's sustainable um, currently. So, yeah, I, I, I think there are good people out there who do think of the bigger picture as well. You know, we, we like to think as this like monolithic thing in terms of US government, oh, it's lucky, but... No, these, these things are made out of individuals like you and me, you know, we all have our personalities and stuff, you know, if you go into like an office, Lockheed Martin, you know, you'll have one guy, um, you know, even these programs, even these programs are essentially people, these are people, you can They're have one people. person, you know, yeah, yeah, he, you know, he could have been like a peace activist back in the 90s and, and North is opposing the Iraq war, you know, um, you could... You know, you, you might have some people with faults as well. Um, with faults as well, you can have an alcoholic, you can have a womanizer. All I'm getting across is these are human beings. You know, you can't think of these as monolithic things. Um, so, hey, Chris, yeah, I, I think there are motives there to get this out. Definitely. Chris, I, I consider myself a peace-loving hippie, and I have 12 deployments, none of which I accomplished anything like what David Crush did. So, so, uh, but I still think of myself as a Woodstock-loving hippie. Um, and, and the, the key points, though, there of, of, of what you said is that the reasons that he gave were, first of all, illegalities of which he did not detail what they all are, but the con except for that Congress, it lacks congressional oversight, which is illegal. And then there are other things detailed that are that w we don't know what they are. But uh, I don't know if he's, if harassment or intimidation, if he, he mentioned that. And the other thing was he said humanity is not benefiting. We're not solve using this getting all you know broader look at this that you alluded to so that we could solve problems like energy uh, uh real world problems f uh you know uh propulsion you know that maybe doesn't have a greenhouse effect so there are all you know cup two major major issues right there that he thinks potentially could be solved by this tech if the right people were looking at it regarding the contracts they don't uh they only run I, i'd have to go into that my acquisition stuff but um, they only run like four years at a pop. But but he also alluded to there's some sole source uh, contracting that's going on, which means that you can't get multiple organizations that have all these different uh, talents. Maybe somebody has MIT grad students and, and professors that are part of their talent pool, but they didn't get to bid on it because it, it only it went sole source. So he has an issue with that. Uh, but anyway, let, let's go around to Matt because we're getting really short on time. I want to get Christopher to bed so that his hair looks this good tomorrow. Matt, what 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 did you uh, what what do you think people should know about this? And and especially, you know, you're coming from the Bigfoot community, so I I really value uh, the way that you might look at this because you're outside the bubble to a degree. Yeah, um, a lot of. Uh, my own research was based in common sense and logic uh, first and, you know, following the evidence. But also, as a podcaster dealing with witnesses, I talked to witnesses from all different spectrums of life, you know, and uh, the human element, like Christopher's talking about, is something that can't be forgotten in this scenario. Uh, David's got a family, you know, he's got friends. He The skin in the game goes way out far beyond careers or money or anything like that. Uh, so like, I understand why he would do something like this. As far as, 
you know, his integrity and why people should believe him. Uh, yeah, he's been vetted by the largest vetting machine in the world. And if you couldn't trust him, he wouldn't have had his position, period. He wouldn't have been in the position to find out this information. I also think a, a big thing to pay attention to, if you came to me, DJ, and said, hey, some things went down back whenever I was in my 20s. I had to take somebody out. This is where the body's buried. And you're trusting me with that information. And I'm not going to tell anybody that you did it or anything. But if I decide at some point, you know, this information has to come out for the greater good. I'm going to give you a heads up and I'm going to let you know, hey, I'm I'm going to come forward with the information. I just need to let you know. So these other sources of his, uh, I, I do think that there's very large potential for those sources to come forward in the future, depending on how this plays out. I also think that other government entities around the world are watching the United States to see how it's handled because they were implicated in having their own departments doing the same thing. This is not restricted to the United States. This That's is a right. global thing. And China and Russia, yes. But then there's also Italy. There's also other countries, uh, the UK, that are friendly with the United States. Poland, that are watching the Germany. United States, right, to see how we handle this. And like, if the information, if it comes out that like, all this is substantiated, these departments exist, then you might see those doors opening over on the other side of the pond where they're like, yeah, and here's what our department has found. And I think that might be the key to bringing these people together in these different countries and working together on this as a global phenomenon and not, you know, keeping those divisions like between us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're right on the money. Great, great points. Uh, yeah. And uh, people that say that oh, the U.S. is controlling this topic, you know, last time I checked, uh, we ha weren't rolling tanks into Germany or Italy or any of these other countries, J Japan, any of these other countries uh, that likely have a program, albeit smaller than ours, uh, that, that have decided that it's in their interest not to talk about it for whatever that reason is. I can't guess to why that is. I could guess, but it's pure speculation. Um, but they've decided not to speak about it. Um, Matt, just like that guy who saw the, the Yowie down in Australia and went and reported it and two different law enforcement agencies basically said, will you get the hell out of here? Like go back to Sydney and get on a plane and go back to New York. Uh, and he's like, yeah, wait, I just yeah. saw Yowie. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> get out of here. So they've decided it's not in their interest to talk about it for whatever reason. Deb, uh, what do you think uh, people should know? You, you have been very passionate about disclosure and getting people ready for something that may occur. Deb, you've spoken many times about what David has said that people need to be prepared for a contact scenario. I'm not right. saying that's what you want to talk about today, but please, the floor is yours, ma'am. I think the other part of this is that it, of course, highlights other people who have come before him and lets the government know that others will follow after. Um, I think that he is showing that those others that will follow after have credentials and that they are being responsible with how they're presenting the information. And they've learned from the previous mistakes that were made by prior whistleblowers. And they're going to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and they better be getting ready. 
Can I get amen? Hey! Yeah, I want to say, I mean, uh, Richard Doty has basically come out and said the very, very same things that David Grush said. And while people say that he's a disinformation agent, I think they're missing the point. He was not a disinformation agent to the American people. He was a disinformation agent to his target, which was Bob Benowitz, which he was told and ordered to feed him disinformation because uh, Bob was recording classified information going on at Kirtland that they didn't want people to know. Um, and that, and he said that he was read into these programs. Many of the things that David alluded to, Richard Doty has already said. Uh, obviously, Bob Lazar has already said. Uh, I believe both of those guys. That's my own personal. I have my own reasons why. Um, Richard Doty obviously feels really bad about what happened uh, with Bob Benowitz. Expressed that on this program without being asked to, and he expressed it to his family. Um, and that's why there's never been a civil action by his family against Richard Doty, which they could have if they thought that they had a case or if they thought he was culpable. Um, what I think people should know is that for now, if you go down, and I'm going to pass it to Sean after this, if you go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, that everything's a conspiracy, everything's a work, you'll never emerge from that rabbit hole to learn anything or believe anything. And if that's the place that you feel safe, that's okay. You be there. It's not for me or anybody in this panel or David Grush or Ross Coltart or Jeremy Corbell to convince you, as Christopher said, of anything. It's not our job to convince you of anything. We're telling you what, what we understand, what we see based on our expertise, based on sources, and based on the, the likelihood that people are telling the truth. It's one thing to have a TSSCI clearance. Sean's had one. I've had one. Another thing to have TSSCI with multiple polygraphs uh, where they can find out if you're hiding something, they will find it. <laughs> Trust me. Especially, and he said when he said, uh, I passed a lot of polygraphs. And that's how I was able. He said, I could have been read into any program because of all those polygraphs that he passed, which is not everyone who has a TSSCI does not have a TSSCI poly as the DOD uh, refers to it. And the Department of Energy may have their own kooky system or, or the CIA. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with their classification systems and their, their uh, clearance systems, rather. So um, the best that we have for now is to take it at face value, what he has said, for all the reasons that Sean listed out. I'm not going to, to reiterate them. But for now, that's where we are. Um, he's an honest person who did this at great personal loss, and he did it legally, not by leaking anything. He did this by the book, using the processes that were laid out for him after a four-year investigation. By the way, people that vetted uh, uh, David before coming forward with the story, Ross Coltard himself, um, Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane independently, Tim and Micah Hanks independently, for all I know, Sean may have also done his. Um, I spoke to somebody who is very friendly, has a friendly professional and personal relationship uh, with him. Uh, not that I'm I'm nobody, but I mean, News Now probably did their own did their own uh, thing through their uh, their sources. So there's at least four to five levels that you would care about of people that that vetted this this gentleman. 
Uh, not to mention uh, the person and I, I said, look, flag officers vet this guy, not me. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's how good he was. So anyway, that's why I think you should just take the information at face value. I'm not telling you to believe it, but I'm, I'm trying to tell you that the man is credible and he put his money where his mouth is. Sean. Um, I guess I would try to look at, so when you, I try to do in my analysis, I do micro and then macro as well. Just zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. So that way you're not always, you don't end up having tunnel vision. You're a sensor yeah. operator. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> so you, I, I end up um, with um, Mr. Grush, the latest person to come forward. And I say latest because let's start with Lou Elizondo. Let's go to Lou Elizondo. So, you know, director of ATIP, but when he was brought in ATIP, and he's, he's mentioned this a couple of times, when they asked, so what do you think about UFOs? He goes, I don't think about UFOs. <laughs> he's, he's a career counterintelligence, uh, uh, counterintelligence officer, right? So, and I personally know people that have done interrogations with him, either people I've deployed with or other, right? Multiple people that have gone on and for their own career. And when he first came out, I went straight to them, right to them. You know this person? Oh, you do? How do you know them? And I sat down with people that I know personally that I've deployed with and that, and there's, there's people that are even closer than that, um, to, to know who this is. But here you have an individual that does not think about UFOs gets put to position because they, they, they need a counterintelligence person there or whatever position that he had. And then now he's made it part of his life journey that this needs to be addressed. So that's, that's person one. Person two, Jay Stratton, a career intelligence person at, from like what the DIA or his own career path, right? Gets put in this position and now is public, is a, has a public persona on this topic. <clears throat> Still has a career going on. So does Lou Elizondo in the field or, or a peripheral of the fields that, the, that, that they have or whatever their, their um, expertise that they've gathered over the years. So they're both working in their regular, but they're also vocal proponent of, of people that are um, making sure or trying to influence for this topic to move forward and have more transparency. So that's number two. Number three, you have Mr. Grush now that's come forward. So now this is an individual, again, that has his own career path at different agencies, first the Air Force, then the NRO, and then the NGA. And now, and then he worked in this as it was exposed to the information that's available in the classified realm and has come across things that his own agencies, it's, it's, it's my speculation. Okay. Knowing from what I know from my time the, as an intelligence analyst, the things that I came across is that came across other things, right? And now he's a proponent of this topic and he's trying to push it and actually left a lucrative career in the intelligence field where he would have, could have had his real estate business on the side, making $177,000 a year, private jets, uh, traveling everywhere, nice, quiet, behind-the-scenes person with a great pension and a great retirement. Has left all of that because, in, 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 according to him, is his mission to move this forward. Because you know you can have you know classified parts just like the the our nuclear weapons program and nuclear program, but have open a source. open open program where it's academics and see it and you know we can move our science forward so that's number three i guess number four that we really haven't talked about but there's probably other ones but um retired colonel uh carl nell 
mm-hmm. who came forward, who was an army liaison. So you have an army liaison now. And the, I guess we, we only have, I guess, one quote uh, in the debrief article is that he had said that what um, Mr. Grush has basically said was, what was, is, is, was fundamentally correct. So from his own perspective as an army liaison of the UAP task force, is that from his own experience, that what Grush is saying was fundamentally correct. So now you have four, so this maybe no fire yet, but there is smoke everywhere. <laughs> it is billowing out of that house, okay? And you can either ignore it still, or it, it, again, I'm inviting the people this, this, the, to just be uh, quietly agnostic and just sit back and allow these people to let, let the processes that they've initiated work its way out because attacking their, their credibility or uh, having some of all that his mannerisms, he looked left. He looked, <laughs> what are you doing to this it's person? Fruitless. What are you doing to this person? They don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. Wait right. till they actually did some, do something that's false or wrong. You know, don't try to interject or, or speculate. You're not doing anybody any favors. You're not doing society any favors. Just let the process go out. If the inspector general comes out and says that, you know, uh, these claims are, are unsubstantiated or congressional committees, you know, if, if those come out and say that we don't, we don't we don't believe this person because of X, Y and Z, let's track those down too. let's see if if, if if those facts are, you know, have evidence behind them and then go from there. But to put a person on this that I'm a, I'm looking at him through a 20 minute interview with you know, you, you I took a face. class in this man in mannerisms. Give me a break. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that in front of a jury. I wouldn't put that in front of a jury. You're out of your fucking mind. Sean, I went to Framingham Community College and took a class in mannerisms. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> body language, Holmes. So you, have, so you have four career people with different career paths that came across this organization, came across the evidence that exists, or the, uh, you know, the gaps in information. And all they're saying is, let's track this shit down. All Grush is saying is that these people that yes. claim that work in these programs are saying that this is happening. Track it down. That's it. He he said, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, please. Uh, I, I gave told him uh, you gave him the information I had. He has my number. He hasn't called me, you know, basically. He, he said he could go down the exact same routes that I went. But he when. David went to go down those routes and asked for access and was denied is when the trouble started. And right. Sean Kirkpatrick's probably looking and going, you know what? My, my, I, I went on the GRB calculator, my retirement where the government's looking really good and I don't want to screw this up. So, um, Christopher, so what I want to do is I'm going to get a parting shot from you and then go with cabbie goodbyes. And, and for Matt, I was going to say, it, there's there's smoke. We don't have the fire yet, Matt. It's like we have we've seen the footprints, Bigfoot's prints, and we have the Foster's Lager can size feces, uh, <laughs> but we haven't just seen the fur yet. So anyway, go ahead, Christopher. No, no, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's been so insightful having this um, podcast, and I've learned something from you all this evening um so thank you very much uh yeah i i i think as sean said i think we should just see um how the process unfolds i think you're gonna see 
um, new intelligence authorization at draft language come out, in addition to national defense authorization at language come out. I think that should be very, very interesting, I think. Um, and also um, there's the oversight, um, House Oversight Committee as well, um, which may hold a public hearing um, relating to, um, to UAP. Let's see who we get. I mean, is Dave going to go and testify before that committee? Um, if so, that, that'd be very, very interesting indeed. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, from my understanding, there, there may be other um, committee hearings as well. Um, I'm not certain they will occur before the summer recess. Um, and I can only say that the intent of certain um, members of other committees, let's say, within the Congress to hold hearings, um, I, I don't know if they will definitely happen, but I say that there's definitely some intent to hold further hearings and go further than the oversight um, committee of the House. Um, so I think that'd be really interesting. And, and yeah, I think there's some really, really good, excellent journalists um, looking into this deeper now. Um, and I think if they dig in all the correct holes, um, I think that they'll um, they'll find a lot of um, interesting stuff to report on. Um, but yeah, like um, it's going to be a very very interesting process. And um, I think for those who complained previously that this whole process has been so slow, uh, well, I think it's gonna definitely going to accelerate now. I was one. <laughs> and Chris is like, "No, DJ, it's going to happen." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, Chris." And then it happened. <laughs> You're right on the money, Chris. You're right on the money. Uh, and by the way, I, before I, I get in trouble, uh, one of my teammates from Dean is the deputy police chief of Framingham. So I wasn't trying to make light of Framingham Community College. <laughs> and it's so cool. We have someone here from New England on my right and then Old England on my left. So it's great. All the same town names. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go with Cabby. Goodbyes, Matt. I don't even know what to say to that comment that you just made. <laughs> no, I mean, I was trying to allude to, I was thinking of the Pennsylvania researcher that said, I found the feces and it looked like the size of Foster's lager cans, but human shaped feces. Australia and for beer. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. <laughs> no offense to any Australians listening. I know my uh, accent impersonation is horrible. Uh, yeah, man. I, this isn't just, you know, this isn't just a story. Uh, it's the very tip of a very huge iceberg. There's a body of evidence that the public does isn't privy to. You know, it, he's making a claim, but he's also saying, and here's how I reached this point and go investigate it for yourself and see if you reach the same point. Uh, it's a, going to be a very thorough process. Uh, we've designed it that way. He handled it the right way, and by coming forward and letting everybody in the world know, hey, I've filed this complaint, the gears are in motion, they can't suppress it now. They, they have to come forward with something at some point. They have to reach a decision and let people know about it. And I think that's uh, huge for disclosure. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, learned a lot of information, uh, Sean and Christopher, Wow, I'm I, DJ has kept you a secret from me this whole time. I, I'm glad the cats are out of the bag now. You guys are amazing. Thank you for everything you've done, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. 
Hey, can I get an amen? Uh, yeah, this is potentially the biggest story of all time. And people are wondering about uh, the Real Housewives of New Jersey and what's happening with uh, Frank and Teresa and blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. Uh, and pass the salt, by the way. Yeah, great. There's UFOs. This is potentially the, I mean, this. It, if go back and listen to the uncut, the uncut version of uh, that somebody, I think, Techno Poodle put on uh, YouTube. It is the uncut Ross Coltart interview where there's no commercials. It is even for people, everybody on this panel except Matt has heard every one of these hypotheses pretty much that was laid out, I think, save for one. Um, and it's still shocking. It, it really is just mind-blowing because we have a guy who also, we didn't even mention, he has a degree in physics. Essentially, he's a physicist. That, that's an Intel guy that's analyzing the different, the fourth and fifth dimension and the potentiality of, uh, uh, of this uh, being in a co-located physical space that's able to enter into our space when it wants to and football size, field size craft. So it, there's so much there. Watch it. And it's just, and it's, it's, it's stuff that we've all heard. We've heard this hypothesized in the community. But we've never had it verified by this high of a source ever. That's what makes it a big story. Um, Deb, if you uh, first of all, um, Julie is saying there's a question from Grant. I don't know if that's Grant Lavac. If you have a question, Julie, just pose it before we close and we'll get it in there. Uh, Deb, go with your cabbie goodbye if you would, ma'am. Or unless you have something else. Yeah, I have a few things. One, I need to defend reality TV because it makes great background while you're researching UFOs. It, like I use it all the time as background. Um, second of all, you know, for all those cabbies who have been longtime listeners, get those seatbelts because we really are going to be in for a bumpy ride. We need to really be thinking about how people are handling some of these drops. Um, and, you know, I think it was smart to do the drip method because you saw how it just, you know, people just get riled up. Like, that's the nicest way to put it within the community. So be gentle with each other, as Kelly Chase said um, recently. Please try to be gentle with each other. Um, and then, of course, thank you both for coming. Um, it's Liberation Times, by the way, Matt, that you need to go check out. And thank you, Sean, for being here. Also, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Okay, uh, let me get to, um, I, I agree with what Deb just said. Um, I, I want to answer Grant Lavac's question. Yeah, Grant, uh, you and I will, will talk. So what do we make about the UK and Australia's reluctance to come on, the, on, in their, on their participation in Five Eyes Forum when UK and New Zealand have been forthcoming? P.S. Please consider unblocking me. Yeah, all right. Well, all right, Grant. Yeah, I'll 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 uh I'll call you, brother. We'll, we'll we can unblock you. It's not an issue. Um. Okay. So if I don't know if you guys want to take a stab at that, starting with Sean about uh, what do you make of the UK and Australia's reluctance to comment on their participation in the Five Eyes Forum? Possibly at this point, there's there's probably not a a, a, a joint. I would assume that there's not a. a a joint public affairs kind of uh, uh, policy of, okay, this question receives this answer, this question receives that answer. It hasn't been, you know, formulated. The last thing they want to do is make a statement that contradicts another uh, ally nation at this point. I, that, that's, I, was, I would assume that that would be my 
my perspective at this point. So no comment versus a comment that potentially um, you know, goes a little further or contradicts what another nation is going to put out. So don't put out anything at this point. Um, I would say from my perspective, I actually said this earlier in the program, Grant, um, all of these nations have a program and they have decided that it is in their interest not to talk about it. I cannot speculate for you on why that is because it would be nothing more than that. Um, the UK and Australia, uh, as you said, they're part of Five Eyes. We share intel with them. Can't really... Commonwealth, Commonwealth nations historically are not as transparent with putting information out and have a little more control over their media organization. So the United that, States kind of has no choice because media has a, a little more, you know, ability to push the threshold and uh, demand answers, demand answers from in, in, historically, I believe that the Commonwealth nations don't necessarily have those types of um, media freedoms. Yeah, we're, we're, and I'm going to go to you right now, Chris, we're a rebellious country, but Grant, I, there's no way we could know why that the UK and the Australian government see it in their interest not to talk about it. Sean, it could be that, uh, is saying from a public affairs perspective, they may not want to step on toes and comment on our, our a disclosure that's happened in our country, but why they're not revealing their programs to you. That's their decision as a sovereign nation not to do that. I, I couldn't guess why that would be christopher yeah it's, it's a bit over the top in all honesty because the, the question that i put forth to um all the all these nations in terms of their um their defense contacts is that can you confirm um that you had representation at this uap briefing that sean kirkpatrick confirmed that he held between the five eyes um, and so far, the New Zealand Defence Force said, yeah, we had someone there. Um, the Canadians said, yeah, we had someone there. The Americans goes without saying, but the British and Australians, they, they can't even, they can't even admit, admit that. I mean, the UK is pretty well locked up. Basically, they say, look, it's our policy that we'll never discuss such matters publicly. So that they, they basically got it sewn up already. So they don't need to say to me that, you know, we're going to deny that or no comment or anything. So that's pretty smart of them. I'm still waiting to hear back from the the Australians on this. I suspect I'll get a I'll get a similar answer. Um, but it does, I think, point to, to quite a major problem in terms of transparency um, in my own country and also in Australia that we're not even getting the level of transparency that the Americans um, are getting on the UAP topic. And you know. There's lots of people who will criticize the American government for a, a, a lack of transparency. And I think, you know, if it's bad in the U.S., it's, it's even worse in the U.K. And I, I criticize Susan Goff a lot, but, you know, she's been great otherwise. You know, she provides much more information to me than, than my own government's ever provided to me. Um, and I would also just add this as well. I would, I, I would suggest and I would, I would say that some very, very good sources have told me that the Five Eyes are very, very aware of um, UAP as an issue. And this isn't the first time that the Five Eyes have actually sat down um, and spoken about this topic. And um, yeah, I, I think it's something that we should keep an eye on. There are a number of theatres where the Five Eyes allies work together um, on. And um, 
you know, as it as it said by Sean Kirkpatrick, you know, UAP is seen all over the world. It's not just um, restricted to the um, to the United States and, and the coast. So it's a key thing to consider. Yeah, great question. Yep that um that is that is a great question thank you grant for that and um yeah it's um it's it, it's very speculative but uh, i've said that if these other countries had a lou elizondo a christopher mellon if they had now a david grush that came out and and it, and said hey i'm coming forth through uh, an official channel, through some sort of a whistleblower construct that were to exist, if that exists, I'm sure it does in the UK and in Australia, then this topic would, you know, this could happen. The reason that we have this is because people, it's a, we're a rebellious nation. You know, obviously we were the colonies. I mean, you, you know what America is all about. We're a very, you know, uh, roughhouse kind of a group. And people came forward and said, this is bull crap and I'm not taking it and I'm going to report it. And if you had a David Fravor in your country or an Alex Dietrich or a Lou Elizondo, you would get off the ground as well. But the reason that this has come forward is because of those guys. This, the government does not move from its position just because people on Twitter say, I want to know. They moved because Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon and all these the people that are going to be known as the forefathers of this movement made them move because they had recency and legitimacy. Does that mean that Rick Doty wasn't legitimate or, or Philip Corso or others? No, they were legitimate as well. But they don't have the recency and the and the current day connections and active clearances and so forth that they could come forward and get those videos released. Now, well, shoot, now we got to talk about these videos. So, I mean, that's essentially a, a large part of it. But the reason it's not happening is those two reasons. A, nobody has come forward and and shifted their paradigm so that they have to talk about it. A, and B, um, those governments that, that Christopher said he's reached out to, his own, Australia, and, you know, among others, have decided it's not in their interest for whatever reason to talk about it, unfortunately. We would disagree with them patently, all of us, and our community would disagree with them. But that's their position. Okay. Oh, okay. So there you go. I finished off my own shot. Um, I want to thank you guys. Uh, we kept you, um, you know, nearly 30 minutes longer than we thought. Uh, but everybody made a lot of great points. I'm sorry that, that we did. I apologize to, well, Chris's wife's asleep, but Sean isn't so, and his kids. Thank you so much, uh, Sean. I really appreciate it, brother. I really thank do. You. I hope I was able to add some value here. And uh, oh. thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. Oh, man, we can't wait to have you. This was the first time, but it's not going to be the last invitation you get of that, I can assure you. Christopher, you've been on a couple of times. You've been on some uh, our roundtables, uh, our, uh, you, <laughs> what is it? What are those shows, the rock and roll shows that we have? <laughs> oh, yeah, so, the Beatles versus, yeah, I'm a regular. I'm a veteran of this, you know, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm honored. Friend I'm of honored. the show. So thank you, everybody in the chat, all you guys, Duncan, Deanne. Uh, I see Scape FX, Bob Marley, um, all you get. Yeah, Deanna. I'm sorry I said her name wrong, Deanne. Uh, I appreciate all you guys, Jules, Grant, um, and for uh, Matt, for Debs, for Sean, and for Christopher. This is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road. And as always, we wonder what's up around the bend. <laughs>